G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. An update on this week's political agenda. Dan Flynn, the Deputy Director of the ACL, is joining us. Dan, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much. Good to be with you, Neil. Hey, Dan, let's touch on something that's on the front page of the Weekend Australian over the weekend, Uh, a transgender person regretting their decisions. Uh, What are your thoughts? And uh, give us some insight into that front page. Well, I think you were probably like me and picked up the Weekend Australian, as people do, and people across the country have picked this up. And to read about Ollie Davies, a 26-year-old Melbourne man who, when he was very depressed, uh, went and, um, uh, you know, thought, well, perhaps he could be a woman. This might be his uh, answer. He went and spoke to some uh, psychiatrist uh, who gave him 45 minutes and said, yes, this person uh, definitely, um, you know, qualifies. We've got to affirm their view. And the criteria's, criteria is fulfilled. And uh, the psychiatrist said, yep, gender dysphoria. So, uh uh, young Ollie, uh, who uh, is now complaining that the underlying cons- depression and um, other motives he had weren't explored, um, he became a woman uh, and uh, I then realised, you know, while there was an initial euphoria and acceptance in the LGBT community, found out that this just wasn't right for him, has now transitioned back to being a man, although he's infertile and has other medical consequences. Um, And he's basically sending up a flare. This guy uh, is not a Christian, but saying, look, there are are going to be thousands of people who regret this um, uh, gender transition. He's being incredibly brave. He's saying, look, basically he transitioned because of the culture that came from doctors, school curriculum, media, social media. And um, he, as a man, didn't really fit the stereotype. So then the suggestion was he was trans, and he basically concludes by saying, I felt like I'd pretty much been involved in a cult. So what, um, what an incredibly um, amazing story Ollie has. It's a story, no doubt, of hundreds, perhaps thousands of people who've you know, changed their gender as part of this you know, woke social movement. Uh, he's regretting it, and he's telling his story. It's great to hear, Neil. And at a time like this, Dan, when governments around Australia appear to be just forging ahead uh, to change laws uh, that are going to make this man's story something of the norm, uh, let's touch on what's happening in Tasmania with their conversion therapy laws. So what's the developments there? Well, basically, you know, if this fellow, Ollie, if he presented to a medical practitioner, to a pastor, uh, to a counsellor, to a parent... Uh, they would be, you know, banned from resisting his stated um, desire to become a woman, and so he wouldn't be able to explore, um, you know, alternatives to that. And also, uh, when he decided he wanted to become a man again, 
he wouldn't be able to get any help for that either. And so all the help that he says that he needed at both uh, parts of this journey would be denied and would be criminalised. Uh, and so uh, there was a lot of work happening. Um, Christopher Bro here, the Australian Christian Lobby uh, director down there, he's working closely with other uh, faith leaders, um, medical experts, um, even feminists, uh, to push back against this uh, law that is trying to be pushed past a Liberal government uh, in Tasmania, a Liberal government who appears to be quite fearful of the LGBT lobby in Tasmania. It's a crazy circumstance that's going on, Dan. Your thoughts here, because as soon as anyone speaks up and Christians are outspoken because there is concern that innocent people are going to be caught up in all sorts of things uh, that are going to be life-altering, and especially in regards to children. But now there are organisations like the Tasmanian Law Institute uh, that are making it rather difficult with their latest report, uh, recommending all sorts of restrictions on how you might even present any sort of religious or biblical belief there that might impact on someone's decisions. Well, that's right. And so they call it bigotry, and um, you know, it's, it is definitely an attack on the gospel, uh, perhaps that's one of the uh, great blessings of Ollie Davies' story, that he's clearly not a Christian. And, uh, you know, so that it helps realise, I suppose, like an archaeological dig, Neil, that, you know, this is not just faith-based, this is biology-based, this is uh, real human nature-based. And, um, uh, you know, these organisations, like the Tasmanian Law Institute, uh, they're, they're ideological. Uh, they're pushing these woke agendas and they wish to suppress any contrary voices. Uh, so we're standing up, and um, I expect we will make a difference. So in Tasmania, Dan, clarify this for us, because these sorts of reports recommend that parents or pastors, even medical practitioners, won't have any say, and it'll be against the law to even have a conversation around the dinner table around issues about sexuality or gender confusion. How could this be right, Neil? How could this be right? You know, we're, we're not in a communist country uh, where you would think that our evening meal discussions uh, would be you know, subject to um, review by government, just simple parenting along biological lines. But uh, this is what's being pushed by the LGBT activists. And um, you, you're absolutely right. You, you've, you've phrased it perfectly. That's, that's what's at risk. And there's a way that people listening to our conversation today can take some action, even if it's just the signing of a petition. There's a government petition on the ACL website. Yes, look, uh, this petition's important. It's a, a parliamentary petition, and uh, there is a petition uh, to prevent this law. There's also a competing petition by LGBT activists. Uh, so we are working hard to get all uh, Tasmanians uh, of faith Tasmanians who believe in biology to sign this. I think we're around the 3,000 mark at the moment and uh, both parties as it were to these competing petitions have been given an extension of time. So we do urge people to get active, sign it and share it. Dan, let's turn our attention to some developments in Western Australia around drag queen shows. A little bit of progress here, but an all-age drag show no longer open to children. This is some good news, isn't it? Well, it is because you know the topic of this was all-age drag show. It was clearly intended by the, those putting this on that you know children, preschoolers, 
uh, people who would tend to go to drag queen story time. Those type of young people uh, would be able to go to this drag show, dress as drag, uh, enjoy the um, you know, frivolity of the LGBT um, party, as it were. Uh, but um, uh, thanks to the astuteness of Peter Abetz, our Western Australian director, and those who work with him, uh, they uh, wrote directly to the mayor and councillors of the city of Fremantle and um, uh, pushed that um, petition and correspondence very hard. So the city of Fremantle has now uh, relented in that they have said, OK, under 13 people will not be allowed to attend, full stop. Anybody under 18 will need the permission of their parent or guardian. So that's a great win. So the all-age drag show is now, you know, effectively an over-18 drag show, as it should be. And so this is great progress, and it does show what happens uh, when, you know, thousands of people write uh, to their councillors uh, because the councillors depend on these people's vote to stay in office. Uh, it's people power, and, you know, getting elected is a priority. Getting re-elected is a great priority. Uh, so thank you to all those Western Australians who did that. Dan, is there any likelihood that could set some sort of a precedent uh, around the whole of Australia where children are not allowed to go and see these sorts of drag queen spectaculars, uh, but even as that might even relate to drag queen story time in public libraries? I know there are some other developments that are going on, especially in the state of Queensland, but is there likely to be any sort of precedent you think could be set by that? I think precedent's too strong a word, Neil, because each of these battles has to be fought uh, in that local area because a precedent like this, um, you know, no uh, other council's not going to want to apply it. If they're in any, any way uh, LGBT orientated, they'll want it all age. So, you know, there there hasn't been uh, any success in uh, in the Brisbane City Council of, you know, sort of, overruling, as it were, the drag queen story time. Uh, and, you know, the, the latest we're hearing from Brisbane is that a senior councillor there wants to ban people from objecting to drag queen story time. So the idea of objecting, making the objection, that's what will be banned. So it's a fraught battle. The win in WA will not be a precedent. Uh, these battles will have to be fought again and again. It almost seems really quite strange that anyone could call for a ban on objections in a nation where we have prided ourselves on a, a level of free speech and being able to speak up and complain if there's something that we don't like. As uh, people complained about all the good things, uh, now you try to ban the people from complaining about bad things. Hey, uh, let's turn our sights to Victoria. Uh, another bit of good news, some, something good to report here around Fiona Patton's bill. It failed in the Victorian Parliament. Well, that's correct. What Fiona Patton was trying to do by her bill was to say that uh, faith-based hospitals like St Vincent's uh, in Victoria couldn't, who received public money, these faith-based hospitals could not um, uh, decide they're not doing abortions or uh, could not uh, say they're not performing euthanasia. So abor abortion euthanasia uh, currently in St Vincent's Hospital uh, are you know, are, are not conducted and uh, doctors are not permitted to do them at these hospitals. Uh, people who go there won't be able to get uh, these uh, life-ending procedures. So, but they do take funding uh, from the government. So her bill was to say, well, any 
uh, faith-based hospital who takes government money must perform these. So the, the conscientious objection of the hospital must be overruled. That bill failed. The reason that the bill failed was because the Daniel Andrews government voted against it, um, along with the Liberal Party, who you would, you would expect to. So there was effectively the Greens and uh, some very sort of left-wing crossbenchers, so seven people against 28 in the upper house when it came on for a vote last week. What that means, Neil, is that there's an election coming in Victoria. Uh, the Labor Party, while they probably agree with Fiona Patton's bill, um, know that uh, to do this would be to absolutely poke the Christian constituency in the eye. It would be to anger the Catholic uh, Church and Catholic um, you know, congregation members uh, to basically say that they're faith-based hospitals, the Mercy Maternity Hospital, uh, St Vincent's, uh, have to perform these uh, these horrible operations. And so um, uh, if this happened in the first year of the term of government, we might have a different outcome. But, you know, three months out from an election, uh, the, the, the Labor government's not going to pick that fight. So bravo to the Victorian Christians and um, other faith communities who, you know, really uh, stood up over the last few years, uh, I think Daniel Andrews is getting the message, and that's good. And thousands of Australian Christian Lobby supporters who came to the fore and uh, exercised their uh, right to object here, and uh, and they actually uh, asked for rejection of this bill. So uh, good on those thousands of supporters uh, on the A- of the ACL. Absolutely, you're right, Neil. Okay, let's talk uh, issues around the Indigenous voice. Uh, you've had some thought or two to. Uh, around the Indigenous voice. What are your thoughts here, Dan? Well, Neil, this is going to be, you know, one of the biggest issues um, probably next year. We may well see a referendum. Um, We're told there will be a referendum as to whether to entrench an Indigenous voice in the Constitution. Uh, We we don't know a lot about uh, the provisions. I think you could broadly summarise it as to say uh, that the Prime Minister is saying, well, we'll set up an Indigenous voice. We can make laws about how it's constituted, and uh, it will give advice to, you know, um, the executive branch of government. So um, it's about that vague. Um, I think the there's cause for some real reservation here because, Neil, we already have a Minister for Indigenous Australians in Cabinet. Um, we have a Department of Indigenous Affairs, so, we, you know, an entire uh, department spread across the country of people who are acting for Indigenous people. Um, All stakeholders get input into laws made in Australia, uh, obviously including Indigenous stakeholders. And there are, you know, countless Indigenous bodies that are funded by by the government. So, um, and also there are, I think, some 11 MPs in the federal government. You know, 5% of of our MPs identify them. So... um, I think the Indigenous people are very well represented. And, you know, no complaint about any of that. Um, the, I suppose the concern is, well, if you amend the Constitution to uh, say, well, there will be an Indigenous executive government, um, A, we don't know what that means because the wording is so wide. B, they may be able to uh, go directly to the public service and bypass, you know, parliamentary security, uh, sorry, parliamentary scrutiny, rather, Neil. Um, this is concerning because, um, you know, 
there's a there's a sense in which the indigenous people are well represented into government. Uh, why have this extra body? And it, it probably makes us a little wary that uh, you know race is being used here to to divide the Australian community, uh, which is something entirely unnecessary. And I think there's another question too, Neil, about well, what is an indigenous voice? You know, we see Jacinta Price, who's indigenous. Uh, she she opposes the voice. She's a conservative. We see Lydia Thorpe. She's a senator of the of the hard left who, you know, uh, sought to make her uh, her oath of allegiance to the colonising queen. So here's two two senators, indigenous, with completely divergent views. So you know, is there a sort of you know indigenous voice? I think there's a lot of diversity in the indigenous community. So. Um, I'm just expressing these reservations, Neil, because there'll be this will be an emerging issue, probably not immediately apparent to people, but it will um, it will be a big issue next year. An emerging issue and fears of division of the Australian community, and as you say, light on the detail and perhaps deliberately, and no doubt as debate continues and getting closer to that time, uh, more detail would be expected and people will be able to uh, make more of a black and white decision or uh, way that might they might think about how that might affect our Australian community. Hey, Dan, uh, let's talk about uh, the truth of it live. Martin Isles who's actually uh, overseas at the present time, but getting ready for a huge uh, opportunity in, uh, in, uh, in Sydney and in Canberra and in Melbourne. Uh, the Babylon uh, series, How to Live as Bold Christians in Modern Day Babylon, uh, these sorts of things are so popular and already thousands of people have got tickets to be a part of these events. Uh, exciting times ahead because he'll deliver some pretty solid stuff in those gatherings. Look, absolutely, Neil. The um, the momentum is definitely building. Uh, the first event in Sydney uh, on the twenty fourth of uh, sorry twenty fourth of September uh, is a Saturday night uh, in the International Convention Centre. Uh, the there will be thousands of you know well over a thousand people who have booked tickets already for that. We're still you know over four weeks out. Uh, this will be a sensational event, and it's just great to see so many Christians gathering. Um, the gospel will be preached. A Christian worldview will be shared. Uh, it's going to be a very, very encouraging evening. And we're hoping that people travel in, you know, from all around New South Wales to enjoy great fellowship, uh, some great, a great sense of um, uh, vision and, um, and perhaps some strengthening of their own uh, backbone. You know, one of the things that we're facing a lot is, is cancel culture. Uh, the, the remedy for cancel culture is courage culture, and we definitely definitely see that uh, with Mark Niles and his uh, work on the truth of it. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, our Sydney people here in Sydney. Canberra follows in October, uh, Melbourne on the 11th of November. Uh, so it's going to be a fantastic uh, series. And, yeah, thanks for mentioning it, Neil. It'll be great. All good. And uh, so Sydney, 24th of September, and then uh, you'll be able to see those dates for Canberra and also in Melbourne at the ACL website, acl.org.au, the Australian Christian Lobby website, acl.org.au. Uh, the tour is being called uh, Babylon. It's the Truth of It Live Tour and How to Live as Bold Christians in Modern Day Babylon. 
wonderful getting your insights as always, Dan Flynn. Thanks so much for taking some time to share those with listeners today. acl.org.au. Dan Flynn is Deputy Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Dan, thanks for the update today on 2020. That's my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 